Hello to everybody who's dreaming about that sponge candy. Someday, someday. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello everybody, Chris Gethard here. And I'm very excited for you to hear this episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Our caller is someone we've actually heard from before, uh, the New Year's episode. Our caller told us that she was up for a 30 under 30 award. She's back. She's gotten through. And she's got a lot to say about that. And we chit-chat a lot about homeownership. We chit-chat about Buffalo-specific cuisine. And a few other things along the way. But then there is also a core thing we talk about, which is that the caller has met someone and is dating someone who is not close in age. And that's an understatement. And you'll hear how things balance out as far as the age comparisons to other people in their lives. And you'll say, oh yeah, that is, uh, that's a big one. That's worth talking about. And we explore it and all the things that come with that, the thoughts that you have to have about your present, your future, how other people react to you, how you feel about it. And it is a good conversation. Enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello, this is Chris. Hi, this is Chris. Hi, I almost just told you my name. That's (laughs) number one rookie mistake. We'd hang up on you right out of the gate. Good, I would deserve it. I've been laughing at myself. I've been on hold and I saved the number in my phone like over a year ago and I spelled anonymous wrong. So I just <laughs> laughing at myself that beautiful anonymous in my phone. And did you just notice that today while sitting on hold? I did. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. How are you? I am doing really well. I'm healthy, my family's healthy and safe, and just for historical documentation, you and I are recording this uh, the morning of Thursday, January 21st, so Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were sworn in yesterday, and I'm not going to pretend that that solves all of America's problems, but everybody on the show has been now for years hearing, literally for a couple of years, been hearing about the stress that we're all feeling about this. So the the idea that a chapter has turned is at the very least mentally good. And that's not just because my side won. That's not just because my side won. It's because because things have been so strange for so long. And I think everybody can agree on that. And I agree. I feel like everything just feels lighter. I think that's the easiest way. My... Um, I have a girl who reports to me. I don't like to call her my employee because I think of us as a team, but she even texted me this morning and said, it's refreshing having the news on in the background. And, you know, even said, yeah. you know, this hasn't fixed everything. And, you know, it just, it just feels lighter. Yeah. And, and, and my, my political inclination is obviously very happy about that. So I have an added bonus, but I bet there's a lot of Republicans and conservatives out there who have, have also been very, very tired of the turmoil and the chaos. And that the, uh, I, I bet that, I, I don't know. 
I, I bet that a lot of them might be going, okay, new chapter, look forward. Maybe the turmoil and the chaos lessens a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. No guarantees. But today, I'm going to let myself feel optimistic. That's how I'm doing. I'm with you. I love mm-hmm. that. How are you? So I am a little nervous. I've had some time to take some deep breaths, but I oh, would like to start with some dad jokes, if you'll allow it. I'm way into that as a young dad. Okay. Although it's almost, he's almost two. I'm not even a young dad anymore. Okay. Anyway, as a dad. My son's almost four and I still was pregnant yesterday. So I don't know how mm-hmm. that timeline works out, but I get it. I'm a young mom. So an almost four year old. Nice. Um, but for, I'm a mom, but for Christmas, my mom got me, um, like a little deck of dad jokes. So I've been trying to find good ones to share with you, but all right. I have two. The first one is why can't you trust the king of the jungle? Why? Because he's always lying. (laughs) Um, okay. You don't like it. All right. Here's the next one. I loved it. Two cell phones. Two cell phones get married. They exchange ringtones, but the reception was terrible. Damn, that's good. You know, I thought that it was appropriate for a phone call conversation because our reception, I think, is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's clicking a little bit. Overall, pretty good. I'm wondering. Uh, imagine, imagine if this was just an hour of you reading dad jokes from a dad joke joke book. I mean, I do have a whole stack of them. I would do that, but I, I'm a very organized person, so I do have like a bullet list of things that I do want to actually talk about. Okay, okay, we'll get into that, and then maybe throughout, as we need uh, moments of levity, I might ask you to return to the dad jokes. Okay, I'll get my stack out. I'll get a couple of them ready for you. So we talked, I made it through oh for the New Year's Eve episode. So we got to talk for a minute. Oh, that's good. Also, I don't know. It's funny because you had made the joke about reception and then said our reception's good and your reception has gotten steadily worse since then. So I don't know if there's like, okay. I don't know if there's an How area you can go to that's a little better. We'll see. We'll see. That joke made me itch a little bit because I am allergic to shrimp. Um, well, that's hilarious. So, I, we just—that's amazing what you just did because I think <laughs> we're probably going to cut out your reception was a little wonky, and then you read dad jokes to help get the reception fixed. Now you've just referenced one that we didn't actually say on the show, and that's amazing. And I just want to say we'll never reveal what the joke was that made you say you're allergic to shrimp. Never. never. Perfect. I love that for us. Good. So we got to talk New Year's Eve for a full minute and or for the New Year's Eve episode. And I told you that I had been nominated for a 30 under 30 award in my town. I remember. Yeah. I haven't won yet. I'm still, I wait for the email every day. I log in like at weird hours of the night to see if they're, they've emailed me to tell me they've accepted me as one of their own. And it just... Hasn't happened yet, but, but I they haven't announced the award yet. yet. They haven't announced anyone else. Getting no, it? nice. No, it, they won't for several months. But I just something in me needs to to know. Be the first to know. I think if I remember right, I was once on a thirty under thirty and New York comedy list, and that was so long ago. 
that um how did it make you feel well now you're 40 but i don't so even know if was, this, yeah i was a child then it was so oh my god oh my god why are you saying that although i don't even know <laughs> if i'm remembering that correctly i may not have been i think i was on some list like that and it, it i remember it felt good Th- those things feel good those things feel really good yeah i i i mean it's an honor even to be nominated so it's yeah i live in buffalo go bills Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, Sugar so it's, you City. know, yes. Anita said she's like, oh, like a Forbes thing, and I was like, no, 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 I'm not that important. But <laughs> in in my little town, I think that I am deserving of this. So when I started at my company, I was 21, and they have like computer screens around the building, and I saw like somebody that worked for a company won it. And ever since that day, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do to deserve it, but I am going to be on these TVs. And now we're working from home. So when I win, nobody's even going to walk around the building and see my face on the TVs. So I love that. I'm a little, when I we'll win. see about that. And how do, when, do you yes. have to sort of angle and campaign and like send out press releases for yourself? Or do they just notice the work you're doing, the hard work? Yeah. So I think... So I was nominated by, um, I referenced her before, the girl who works for me, but my my team member, um, she we've been working together for over a year now. So she nominated me and reached out to my, I have an executive mentor within the company. And I think she kind of moved things along to have the company speak for me. And they wrote together this like three page nomination that I read. And I was like, wow. Half of those things are only slightly true. Um, (laughs) The other half are way too nice and nobody's ever said that about me. So although I sound very confident, um, I'm sure you're familiar with imposter syndrome. Oh, every day of my goddamn life. Every day. Every day of my life. So have you read, I mean, the first I learned about it was, it was Neil Gaiman, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he wrote, he wrote this thing and you can Google it, but he talks about imposter syndrome and how he was in this room of all these accomplished people. And he was talking to someone next to him and they bonded over their name. He goes on and on. He goes, Hey, I'm talking to this person. And he says, all of these established people are here. All I did was go where they told me to go. And it turned out he was talking to Neil Armstrong. So um, that's something that always resonates with me is for Neil Armstrong to just say, all I did was I went where they told me to go. Um, always reminds me that, you know, I might not feel like I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm definitely not the most educated. I spelled anonymous wrong, but (laughs) I, you know, I made a name for myself, an anonymous name, but a name for myself in the the short years of my career. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if I deserve it, but I want to send you the Buffalo business first article when it comes Someday. in with my, Someday. I'll block my name out. <laughs> well, and if like every once in a while, the callers will reach out to me and not, and let me know their real names and, and we connect and what a joyous way that would be for me to learn more about you down the line. Yeah. I got that imposter syndrome bad. 
I will very, I will, I relentlessly beat up on myself in a way that's, that's not good. And I'm aware that it's, it's a reflection of, of, of lacking health mentally where I'll go, I've never done anything good. I struck out all my peers have, have excelled and I've done nothing. And that's because I must not deserve anything. And then sometimes I take a deep breath and I go, Chris, you had your own TV show. You have a <laughs> podcast that for years, like a hundred thousand people still listen to it. You published three books before the age of 40. You had an HBO special that a lot of people say helped them. And that, right. was, and that was all before the age of 40. That was all before the age of 40. And then I sit here and I go, I'm a piece of shit. I haven't done anything. <laughs> this person I started right? with did this and that person did that. And then I'm going, and I, t- I take a deep breath and I go, and I bet on some days they look at me and go, man, he retained his independence. He did things his own way. He didn't get caught up in the gears of this stressful system. And I sit here and I still wonder, am I just going to beat up on myself forever? Maybe I will. Right? Maybe I will. Absolutely. And I think I'm cool. Like, I don't know. I, I, therapy helps that, like having that confidence. And, but yeah, I see, so I'm 27. So, knowing people my age are doctors and attorneys and I'm just over here with my little, I'm a coach, like a, in uh, my official title is master coach, but you know, I just hope master coach, it sounds fancier than it is, but you know, I help people. I joke and I say, Oh, I help people not suck at their job, which essentially is what I do. But when I see these people I graduated high school with, which is so lame, like, and I'm like, oh, they're way more accomplished than me. But I, it does help to list out things. Like I bought a house on my own this year. Like At 27. 27, That's yeah. Good. That's I'm good. Single but... mom to an almost four-year-old. And Sick. Did you say I'm single? I'm sitting here looking around and this is mine. A single mom, you bought a house. That's awesome. Yeah. I think for, you. for anybody, even people in in couples where there's shared finances, everything you read is that because twenty seven are you does that's millennial, yes, yes, very millennial. And you re- you read that purchasing property, which was always a thing in at least in America, was always this marker of stability and kind of turning a financial corner. Uh, that millennials and Generation Z, just because of the way money has not grown and 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 things aren't equitable, that grow, that owning property is going to be a really hard thing for them to do. And you got there as a single mom. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I um, was thankful for a big tax return. And for those out there, at least in like small towns, you don't need as much as you think you do to get a house. I mean, everything is, you know, I'm going to pay more monthly, but I always thought I needed, you know, $100,000 to put down or, you know, even 20000 And um, if you have the right realtor, I wish I could, no, I won't put my realtor, but um, <laughs> I just, if you have someone that walks you through it, I mean, it's not something I thought was possible for me. And here I am. It's look into it. It's something that's. To all of the listeners, if it's something that you want to do, talk to someone and you yeah. may be able to figure it out. I'm with you. I know that for me, it always felt pretty impossible as an artist because my year to year income, I, I, there's year, I've there's i been audited by the IRS because they go, 
I remember when I was 25 or 26, the IRS audited me and they're like, you made like tens of thousands of dollars more. Like you last year made like almost no money, like a, a, a scary low amount. And then this year you made like so much, you like tripled it. I'm like, well, I booked a McDonald's commercial and it aired a lot. And that's what, <laughs> that's what it's like being an, a young artist. So yeah, and they're like, oh, okay, you're an actor. Yeah, we've seen this before. But the <laughs> instability made me scared. But I'm with you. Getting that down payment together is the really hard part and the really daunting part. But I wonder if you'd agree. That first month when you pay your mortgage and you realize it's not going into someone else's pocket and that it's it's you effectively own this thing that now is like a very stable savings account and you live inside it, that's a real feeling Absolutely. of release. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even like, so, you know, I mentioned I work from home now. So in my apartment, I had a nice apartment, but everything was one big room. So my office, my living room, my son's playroom, it was all, and it was bad. I mean, plus living through a pandemic, it was bad for my mental health. So now that I have this like separate room where I can shut the door at the end of the day, or I can shut it to focus on work, it just has made such a big difference. And you want to hear? You want to hear how insane New York real estate is? Tell me. When my wife and I bought our first place in Queens, which was a one-bedroom co-op, getting the like I said, getting the down payment together, especially to purchase in New York City, that's terrifying. Like you really have to, you really have to set money aside and dedicate yourself to it, unless you're uber rich, which I am not. I'm I'm doing well, <laughs> but not I'm not that well, and when we got over the hump with that down payment, we realized when we added it up, our mortgage and our homeowner association fees were monthly less than our rent on a one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn had been. We were, that was insane. we were paying, I think $300 less a month to own wow. a house than to rent a one yeah. bedroom apartment. That's New York city right there. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, my, my rent and my mortgage are literally within $50 of each other. And so I think that's what clicked for me is, okay, it's, you know, it, it is costing me a little more, but it's mine. I have a backyard for my kids and. Yes. You do it for your kid. You have that space and you have that, that sense of, uh, that, that sense of sort of, um, self-definition. Absolutely. It's a lot of work. Absolutely. And you're responsible for everything and you got to fix everything, which as a single mom is another added thing. And then I wonder if you're fine. I just bought my first house. Like the homeowners, the Queens, we had the HOA and they fixed a lot of the stuff. This house, I'm like, how did this lady, we bought it from live here because everything seems to be broken. Everything seems to cost me money. Every time I turn around, I had all these plans. Oh, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to build a home office with a home studio for beautiful anonymous. It's like, oh no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live here for a full year. Cause every time it rains or the wind blows, I find out that I got to pay more money for something else that's broken. That's my yep. And it turns out if you ignore it, it just gets worse. It doesn't fix itself. It's like your teeth. You got to go to the dentist, bite yeah. the bullet, go to the dentist. Everything. My, just my, go. the air broke, the furnace broke. One of the one of the outlets in my son's room all of a sudden started melting the plastic plugs we had in there. It's like, wait, what? The Super wall. Safe. There's fire coming out of his outlets. 
the 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 first time I tried to light a fire in the chimney, all the smoke blew back, and, and this guy tried to tell me that was going to cost four thousand dollars to clean their fix the chimney. I was like, here's the best. Here's why I love my wife, and I think. I think a lot of listeners of the show have come to sort of tangentially love my wife from afar because of these things. Oh, I love her. This guy, this guy, I keep a, this. He says, you know, I can clean it for the price I quoted you, but if you really want it to last the entire lifetime of this house, uh, it's going to cost four thousand dollars. And he had already, by the way, like taken apart sections of the chimney to clean it. So I just go, okay, hold on, let me go in the other room, and I go up to Hallie. I go. <laughs> This guy is saying that if we really want this thing to be fixed long term, that we got to pay him $4,000. And without even a second's thought, my wife looks me in the eye and goes, I would rather never light a fire than give that man $4,000. And I was just so in love. I was so in love. I was so in love. Can you give her a hug from me tonight? I will. She gets a million, a million hugs. All of the hugs. So I made you feel old by saying that when you were under 30, I was a kid, but I'm going to make you feel better. So I'm a little offended that the beautiful shorties that you released recently, you were like, oh, this, this girl has a complicated relationship with an older man. Loved the episode. No shade to her. She's awesome. I'd love to find her only fans and support her, but Mm -hmm. I'm 27 um, let's do some math here. All right. So my mom is 50. Um, my dad is 62. Um, and we are all either dating or married to someone who's the same age. I think I worded that wrong, but my mom is married to a 54 year old, her husband, my stepdad. My dad is dating a 53-year-old woman, and I am dating a 53-year-old man. You're dating a 53-year-old man? And and wait, so you're dating a man who's three years older than your mother? Yes, I am. And how does mom feel about that? Um, So she didn't acknowledge it for the first couple weeks. And I think that was just because I've been single for <laughs> about three years. And I would just be like, Oh, I have a boyfriend. And she would, I'm like the, the girl who cried wolf. Like, you know, she'd ask me about someone I talked about two weeks later. And she's like, Oh, how's, you know, Ricky doing? And I'm like, Oh, I haven't talked to him in weeks. I forgot he existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think it was more so of like, Oh yeah, sure. And she's like, Oh, I'll pay attention when it's been a month. And I was like, mom, it has been a month. Now it's been two months. So uh, I think it was less of the age and more of the, oh no, I actually have a boyfriend who I'm calling my boyfriend. You need to acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So the age doesn't bother me, especially at this point, but with talking with friends last night, I did realize that he is closer in age with my grandma than he is with me. And that hit me in a weird way. And, and how long have you been dating this 53-year-old man? Um, so we met last summer through mutual friends, mm-hmm. and we've mm-hmm. been dating since November, so two months. And if I'm doing my math right, that means that he is one year shy of being uh, literally twice your age? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And now um, here's the question I have to ask, because I have this scenario in my head. And and. <laughs> Let me lay out both options first for the sake of the I'm life. ready for both. Well, 
option one is at some point you're on the phone with your mom and you mentioned the age difference. And that would, I want to hear about that if that's the case. But option two is that you just bring him home for dinner one night and he's like <laughs> ref- referencing where he was when Reagan got shot. And then your mom is like, hold on, hold on. Um, are you, are you older than me? That's option two is that it's just, it happens face to face. So which was it? All right. So it's option three, which is even better. Um, so I tweeted uh, saying something like, oh, you know, I've avoided cuffing season for the past six years. Of course, it would take a pandemic for that to change. What season? Um, cuffing season. So cuffing season. it's... Um, like the, in the colder months, people are just looking for someone to cuddle with. So they end up like being in a relationship from like November to February, just to have mm. someone to celebrate holidays with and stay mm. warm with. I did not. I, I was unfamiliar with that phrase. I've learned something. Yeah. So my mom follows me on Twitter. So I tweeted about <laughs> coming season and then mm-hmm. I sat and waited for the text saying, what is cuffing season? Mm-hmm. And it took three days. I'm at his mm-hmm. house three days later and I get a text saying what's cuffing season. And I said, Oh, I've been awaiting this text. And she said, Oh, I must be predictable. And my response to that was, I have a boyfriend, but he's your age. So you're never meeting him. And that's a sentence. I'm sure every parent dreams of hearing and I'm joking which is not fair because the callers had so many thoughtful things to say about this. Anyway, we'll be right back. Thank you to our advertisers for bringing this show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. And my response to that was, I have a boyfriend, but he's your age, so you're never meeting him. Wow. And, you just dropped it like a bomb. So, yeah. And then she kind she just didn't bring it up again until it was like Christmas Eve and I her and I split a couple bottles of wine and I was just like, Hey, it's been a month. He bought me Christmas gifts. It's real. Um, but again, you'll probably never meet him. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but the first date we had so we were already friends but the first date we had he asked me how old I was and I wouldn't answer him Uh, my response was I've done my research I'm older than your kids okay okay so he does have kids he does have kids yes and I'm older than them by how much by how much um they're 20 22 and 24 24 you're 27. Yeah. yeah. So someone mm-hmm. who was in high school at the same time you were in high school. You know what? Um, I think we missed each other. Right. Oh, you think so? Maybe. May, uh, I'll have to do some actual math. Well, that all depends I'm on the month you were born. Because if, if I'm doing right. the math, theoretically, could have been a freshman when you were yeah. a senior. Yeah. Somebody was born by the cover. Yeah. It's very probable probable um mm-hmm. yeah but it's it hit me the other day that i don't care about our age difference anymore so i am someone who 
um, you know, I was with my son's father for four years. He's 12 or 14 years older than me. And it, you know, that was never a big deal to me. And I, when I broke up with him, my son was one and I, this is something I actually want to talk to you about because when I first started listening to beautiful anonymous, there were so many great episodes that got me hooked of people talking about really abusive relationships or, you know, a lot of mental health issues. And I just remember I wanted to be a voice for people to, that it's okay to leave a relationship just because you're unhappy. And that's what I did. I mean, we never fought. We never, you know, we didn't have a big falling out. No one cheated on each other. There was no manipulation. I just, after four years and a one-year-old, I just wasn't happy. And I, we broke up and we co-parent very well. And I worked on my mental health. I've, you know, been in therapy for a while now. Shout out to telehealth. Um, And started running. I lost 80 pounds, ran a couple half marathons. And I just, and I haven't dated like it's been we've been broken up for almost three years now and I just haven't dated. So for me to call someone my boyfriend, that's why my mom was like, yeah, OK, like it's it's because I like this person. It doesn't. And the age thing is funny and I'll joke about it forever because the fact that he is closer in age with my grandma, there's there's no way that's not funny or kind of weird. But I feel comfortable enough with our relationship that I just don't care. Like I like someone enough to say, yeah, that's my boyfriend. That means a lot. So have you watched Schitt's Creek or are you familiar with it? I am. I missed the boat on initially for years. I've heard how good it is. And my wife and I are making our, because also I think you will identify with this when you have a, a kid as young as ours and I don't know if this lightens up when they get to four, but you really can only watch one show at a time and you watch it 10 minutes at a time as you're falling asleep in bed. So we're making our way through Schitt's Creek right now. We're in season one. It's amazing. Catherine O'Hara. I mean, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are both, Levy, Levy, I, I should know that respect. They are both like comedic treasures. And they we, truly are. we're lucky to have them. And when you look at their careers as character actors, um, amazing careers, and to see them just go in that show. And Catherine O'Hara, every episode, just more and more, I'm like, oh, she is the best. I will say when, well, I'll get to why I brought it up, but when Anita texted me telling me to stay on the line to wait for you, I tried responding with, uh, like a picture of her that said thank you on it, like from Shit Creek. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I know there's a battle about gifts versus GIF, and I don't have an opinion or know the proper answer, but it was one of those, and it was just her saying thank you, but it didn't send through. So I just want to point out that I wanted to, to send that. I love it. But Shit's Creek. So, yeah, yeah. um, David, have you gotten to the wine part where he talks about the label and not the wine? We just last night finished the episode where Catherine O'Hara was hired to do a commercial about fruit wine. Okay, fruit wine. The ending of that episode 
was making me, it's the hardest I've laughed since Rudy Giuliani did a, a press conference at a landscaping company. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Very similar humor too, which is, that's amazing. Oh, it's the so, best. Well, the part, well, I don't want to ruin anything for you or the listeners, but um, there's a part where David talks about his sexuality and he, um, you know, him and Stevie are talking about wine and she says something along the lines of, I thought you only liked red wine. He said, I do like red wine, but I also like white wine. And I'm chopping up the quote. But essentially, he says, what I'm trying to say is I like the wine, not the label. So he talks about being pansexual. And so I just, I've started relating that to, like, I don't like my partner because he's old. I just have connected with him as a person. And everything else just follows. And so, just, so I have to ask because I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. And also you've established, I think anybody listening would agree. You sound like someone who in general has your act together. You're a mom, you bought a house, 30 under 30 list. You've said you're a very organized person. Um, I do have to wonder because you must face there must be like uh, side eyes or even judgment at times. So it sounds like you're within it and you feel very comfortable with the choices and you're not thinking about it all the time. I do want to ask, how did your family ultimately feel about it? And how did his kids ultimately feel about it? Because those, those are the, those are conversations that I bet those people might not feel the same as you do. Absolutely. So, well, we're living in a pandemic. So, the best part about a relationship is we haven't really had to worry about that stuff yet um, because, you know, there wasn't, you know, we started dating around the holidays and, you know, I um, see a very limited amount of people. He sees a very limited amount of people. Um, so, you know, there wasn't, oh, I'm, you know, bringing, I obviously won't say his name, but, you know, I'm bringing him to Christmas to meet everyone. So we haven't, you know, my family knows that, we have a relationship. His kids know that he's in a relationship. Um, but we haven't even really talked about that. And I think because we don't have to, and it's just such, you know, I, it's just such a different world dating right now because you don't have those pressures. And it's been two months of us, you know, hanging. I haven't, I don't have my son three nights a week. So I've seen him, my partner, I guess I'll refer to him as, um, you know, three nights a week, every week for the past two months. And 90% of that time is just us. So it's just been no pressure of, you know, meeting the family or going out in public. So yeah, I do think about that in the summer when we can go to a patio and people are going to think, oh, is that his daughter? Um, no, his daughter's seven years younger than me. But um so I don't have the answer to that because of the world we're living in. We don't have that external pressure from society or even really from our families because it's just, wow, we have a lot in common. Um, we have all the same hobbies. We like similar music, similar food. Like it's way different than any other relationship I've been in. And it's not even because of the age difference. It's because of the state of the world if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I'm sure I'm sure you must have thought about that. This means when that pandemic lifts, um, right? <laughs> there's two things that are right. It feels like there's one or two, th- and and probably a broader range. But the I, I would imagine that the general categories are either you've both had this beautiful stretch where the silver lining of all this all of these dark times is that you've been able to make those decisions and say, you know, we feel really comfortable in this. Let's shut out the judgment of others because we know why we're in it. Um, right. Or you're going to start going to restaurants for the first time. You're going to have that first family gathering and you're going to go, oh, it turns out this, this does feel right. a little weird. Those are the two broad categories, right? I'm sure there's a million variations of those, but those are the broad ones. Right. And no, and you're right. And I think because I'm definitely an optimist in my head now, it's again, because I haven't called anyone, you know, I haven't really been in a relationship for so long. And, you know, I've always said, I'm not going to date just to date. Like the people in my life should know that I feel strong enough about this, that I really don't care. And also something I've worked on through my executive mentor and through therapy is not really caring what other people think. And it's hard, especially with family. Of course, I want mm-hmm. my parents to like the person I'm dating and, you know, I want them to get along and they're the same age. So I'm sure they have something in common, but, you know, not needing that validation is something that the past couple of years I've really struggled with, but really have focused on just not, I just don't care. I'm happy. I feel comfortable with it. And, you know, I don't want to lose any family relationships because of this, but, you know, am I going to, I don't think so because at the end of the day, they want me to be happy. And if it is, you know, Oh, we just, we have this fun in our own little bubble and maybe we're not meant to be together and, you know, whatever, then that's also okay. But right now it feels good. I also like that you said like someday they're going to meet and my mom's going to realize, oh, you guys must have something in common. And Great. The, the joke there well, is we're like, the 70s, oh, like guys exactly. I was just going to say, well, we were both alive in the seventies. <laughs> like how did you right. like the Ramones first album when it came out? Right. <laughs> you know, like you're going to have the, those things in common. Like, oh, remember how different life was before the internet? Because she doesn't <laughs> like that. It's going to be those conversations. They actually have a lot in common, I would imagine. I think that's yeah. not going to be an issue. So it can't be that bad. Can I ask you a question that's a little macabre? Um, yeah. I don't know what that word means, but go for like it. Like a little dark, like a little grim. Yeah. Because yes. you've mentioned that you, your, your son's father is significantly older than you. Your current partner is even more so. Um, so, you know, who knows? Who knows? In the future, this might change. But right now, uh, it might be fair to say that on some level, you have a type, you have a comfort zone. Um, and who knows? Like I said, if this relationship peters out, the next one might be someone younger than you or your exact age. Who knows? I'm not assuming. But if you do wind up with someone who's 26 years older than you, and this becomes your partner long-term, you do have to think that just mathematically, the odds are that, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, nothing happens, uh, prematurely but if the course of someone running their life this does mean like your your partner will probably be gone much much earlier than you in life 
Do you ever think about this when you're dating people significantly older? Absolutely. And so two things. So the first, um, he made a joke early on, he planned like the, we went for a run on our first date and then he planned this beautiful picnic with wine and cheese and a candle. And I was like, okay. And he just kept doing things like that on our early dates. And he still does. Um, he brushed my car off for me the other day and had a coffee to go. I was like, what? Ooh, in but Buffalo. he made a comment like, well, that's, in, yeah. In, in yeah. Buffalo <laughs> in January, that, that goes a long way. Right. And so he, you know, he said something like, oh, well, that's what you get when you date an older man. I'm not going to DoorDash you McDonald's. Like, so he made a joke about that early on. And then recently, like just last week, he said something like, well, when I die, you know, you're going to be with, you know, that that young kid that's going to get you a McGriddle in the morning and you're going to think back right. to like, and, you know, it was in a joking, lighthearted way, but also, yeah, I mean, I do the math in my head sometimes and think, you know, I'll not even be retirement age when he's in his 80s, you know, and it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot. But so he is also way more active than me. So it's funny, you'd think that he'd be trying to keep up with me. Um, But we a couple weeks ago, we went for a two mile run in the morning. And then I left because I went to go get my son for the um, the couple days in a row that I had him. And he calls me a couple hours later and he's like, oh, I just ran a half marathon. Um, so that math adds up to he ran 15 miles in one day. I ran two and then played with my toddler the rest of the day. Um, two is so, no joke. By my standards, I can't run. I got the bad knees, but that's no joke, two miles. But still, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So I just – I. I do think about it. And especially when, you know, he makes the joke, when I die, you're going to get your McGriddle and you're going to be thinking about those pancakes that I made you. Like I, I do, but also like, I don't know. I also really like my independence, my life. So I don't ever, even if I do date him until he dies, like I don't see us getting married. I don't like, you know, I want my house to be my house. I think I'm selfish enough that I don't want to share. Th- I don't know. And maybe that's thinking too far into it, but also is the reception. Okay. I just moved. Reception's great. And I'm so glad we worked okay. that out because this story's fascinating okay. and I got to give him, I got to say for him to say, I'm never going to door dash you McDonald's. What a what a smooth what a smooth talker, right? Because you do, you're, yeah. You're 27, and you're dating someone who's never going to make you watch them play video games. That's pretty nice, yeah. Right? You're it's never going to have to watch someone else play Call of Duty. Nope. Right. <laughs> Not going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and I mean, you know, he's obviously, obviously very impressed with me. Like, you know, I got the the 30 under 30 you know, the announcement that my company was sponsoring the nomination, you know, after we were dating for a couple of weeks and he's like, Oh yeah, I called, you know, someone that he works with and said that. And her response was what, how old is she that she's on this list? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's very, you know, he thinks, you know, my story is impressive, of course. And I don't know, we get along. I a healthy relationship. Yeah, it's weird. I just, I said this memory pop into my head. I don't want to make it about me, so I'll be quick. But I no, was you can. well, look, 
I was just a real, I had my head in the clouds. I, I, I never knew how to date. And then anytime I did, it was generally long-term relationships. And then in my early thirties, I had two different stretches where I was single for about a year at a time before I met my wife and, uh, or got together with my wife. We had met before, but I look back to some of the dating experiences I put people through and I can never make a joke about, oh, they make you watch video games. Cause I remember once I, I had, I had just gone on a few dates with, um, with a woman who saw me in a show and kind of picked me up and Ooh. yeah, what can I say? What can I say? And I'm very funny. I'm very There's charming. A name for that. What's that? Uh, chuckle efforts <laughs> it wasn't quite that it wasn't quite that those okay. i know Sorry. exactly what you're saying but those are those okay. are situations yeah where that's more like you know people who want to have kind of a one night stand with a comedian there's a little bit of a of a thing there i never real i don't think i ever dove into that world but this this woman came back to my house i think it was things in new york city move fast it was like the third or fourth date and my room had no closet my bed was a disassembled loft bed. So it was just the top of a loft bed. So my bed had bars so you couldn't roll out, even though it was on the floor. Um, oh my God. It was, Did you have sheets? I had sheets. I don't know. How, I don't know when okay. the last time they had been changed or cleaned was, but I had sheets. I owned <laughs> sheets. Um, but then we had not we were still getting to know each other and she hadn't really wanted to share her professional stuff. She was like, Oh, let's talk about that later. And then it turned out that she was one of the top curators at one of the most prestigious museums in New York city. And I brought her wow. into that environment and I still think back and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when I got together with Hallie, part of how I realized that I was really into her was I, the, before she ever slept at my house, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I need new sheets and pillows and shit. And I'll never forget, I was in this Bed Bath & Beyond in Queens, out near LaGuardia Airport. And I just looked so confused that this mother and daughter who were shopping, the mom walked over to me and she was just a classic New York character, like an old school New York Jewish mom. She came up to me. She's like, hon, you look kind of out of it. What can I help you with? And I was like, I'm dating this girl and I really like her and I want to get sheets and my, all my stuff is like real old and beat up. And she's like, oh, you're going to get this one. This color is very nice. It's masculine, but it's still a comfort. It's going to be nice and thick and that a woman's going to love sleeping on her. You're going to get these pillows. She's like, you're going to get these pillowcases. She's like, now you just have the pillows on your, on your bed. I go, yeah, I just have a couple of pillows. She goes, no. Have you heard of throws? Have you heard of shams? I'm like, no, what are throws and shams? So Hallie comes over and it looks like, like I have a bed that looks like a display model at Bed Bath & Beyond. It's covered in throw pillows and shams and everything. I think the tags are still hanging off everything. And I think she quickly understood what was up. And the first time- I think that's why she married you. Uh, I, I got to work. The, she still makes fun of me sometimes because the first time she came over, all my posters were up on the wall with thumbtacks. And the second time she came over, I had gone to Michael's and paid for like the speedy overnight. Like frame these things. I don't care how much it costs. I need framed art all of a sudden. So I really grew up. Framed art. And, yeah, incredible. And by art, I mean like an old Knicks poster, but like throw it in the frame, please. <laughs> Please, I can't have all these thumbtacks on my wall. That's amazing. Anyway. Yeah, so I, I think women get the bad rap for having a million pillows and 
I went to his house the first you know several dates, and he had so many pillows that the first time he came here, I had to like borrow them from my guest room and put them on my bed and make it seem like I don't like cuddle in one corner of my California <laughs> King with my one sad pillow. California so. King, you really do have your act together. California King, I've dreamed of it. I've dreamed of it. I only slept in a California King once in my life and it was crazy. I felt like I was swimming in the ocean. Okay, we'll be right back. Ads are over, everybody. Let's finish this phone call. Cuddle in one corner of my California <laughs> King with my one sad pillow. California so. King, you really do have your act together. Those are the beds that are bigger that than the beds they tell you about, right? They don't tell you about California that? Kings. You don't find out about they California don't. Kings until you get older and you have some success. And then they're like, oh, wait, did you know there's a bed bigger than the beds you've heard of? Bigger than it? Yeah. And I would sleep on it like a queen. That was, I think that's a country song. Sleeping like a queen on my California King. Look at that. Look at that. How much time do we have left? Because I want to go on a quick rant. 14 and a half minutes. I'm sorry I'm telling too many stories about me, but I feel quite comfortable with you. No, same. I just, I I mentioned weight loss. So I just want, I know it can be triggering for some people, especially this time of year with um, New Year's resolution. So just want to point out there, I lost a ton of weight, but it was over a long period of time. And I didn't do anything extreme. I ate all of the foods that I wanted to eat that fueled my body. And I started moving my body as a celebration of, of it rather than punishment. Like I remember being in high school and thinking like, oh, I need to get skinny. I need to walk at an incline until I burn this many calories. And that was very unhealthy. So I just want to be an advocate for uh, moving your body because we're capable of it. Um, I had arthritis in my knees when I was 25 and couldn't get down on the ground and play with my kid. And I went to physical therapy to strengthen my knees. And it was the first time I tried to not lose weight. I tried to just get strong. And that's what kind of kickstarted it. So mm-hmm. just, I like to very body positive person. And I think crash diets and, uh, you know, fad diets are bull and, um, I just think it's really important to celebrate, you know, being able to move and also eating delicious food that makes you feel good. The thing about being a runner is people are like, oh, you must never eat carbs. And I'm like, well, actually, in order to run, you have to eat carbs because it fuels you. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Don't quote me on that. I but ate baked ziti last night, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I love bread so much that I bought a candle from Bath and Body Works named French Baguette. And wow. So, right, well, I yeah. bought some throws and shams. I feel very, yeah. Just, oh, uh, mine was bed bath. Feel... Well, I love that. I yeah. love that you said that. And look, at the end of the day, it's about health, it's about mental health and physical health. And if if somebody feels like their physical health is out of control and they need to they need to get smaller as a way to correct that, absolutely. If someone goes to the doctor and is told you're healthy and you love yourself, absolutely. Conversely, if you become obsessive about losing weight, that and and I have some OCD stuff and when I try to lose weight, I do start the calorie counting and I have to be very smart about that. Um 
because we all know that you can become mentally unhealthy, even if you're someone who winds up like jacked, covered in muscles. So be healthy. Absolutely. Be happy. What makes you feel yes. good about yourself? Get ha- there. Happy Come and there. healthy. Mentally and physically. Yeah. Mentally and physically. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I have focused on getting both in check. And my, um, I use a different teletherapy uh, company than the one you advertise for, so I won't name them. But okay. oh, Thank you um, so much for that. Shout out to our advertisers. <laughs> <laughs> I got you covered. But uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. my therapist is someone who I really clicked with. And I got a call last week for... Um, from like an unknown ID and I answered it like maybe it's Chris Gethard. It wasn't, it was her. Um, but she had to cancel our weekly appointment because she was scheduled for the COVID vaccine. And I just thought how nice of her to think, to call me, to let me know. And it just made me even more thankful for yeah. those services and what it's done for me. I mean, it's one of the things that's really going to change from the pandemic is people realizing like, Oh, if I have something that seems minor but needs to get checked out, both for the doctor and the patient, it's like, oh, you have a rash. Okay, yeah, that's going to go away. Or like put some calamine on that. That's not, we don't need to deal with, you don't need antibiotics. Like that's, uh, that's going to change. And also to hear you say that, isn't that beautiful when you, I, I've had a few people in my life, my parents just got their first round of the COVID vaccine and, and, and oh my awesome. God, what a wait. And you start to see this pinpoint of light at the end of the tunnel, just a pinpoint. I have some friends Absolutely. who two different friends who are nurses who have gotten both shots and you sit there and go, oh, thank God it's happening. It's yes. happening. And I know I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Like I am a young, healthy woman that doesn't work with the public. And I was like, I know I'm at the bottom of the barrel and I want it, but it's okay because I know there are so many other people that need it and can benefit from it. So I will wait my, I'm ready, but I will wait my turn. Yeah. I'm a, I'm going to be towards the end of the line as well. And I just sit back and go, I can't wait to see my neighbors get it. I can't wait to see my friends get it. Can't wait to see all these people in my life get it. And when it's my turn, I'll be over there at the uh, one of these New Jersey super sites, and I will, uh, I will thank Governor Phil Murphy and uh, Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill for posting pictures on Instagram of them at that super site, helping to get it all set up, up and running to my reps. Maybe they should turn Sugar City into a vaccine site. Ah, uh, we should mention it because Sugar City came. It was this DIY punk space in Buffalo. I did some shows there, and uh, it, it was it was. One of these things, sometimes a comedian, I walk into a space where I'm performing, I go, okay, this, I'll get through this. And I thank them for giving me the gig. <laughs> and then sometimes I walk into a place like Sugar City where I go, oh, I am amongst kindred spirits and I feel very much at home. And Sugar City, as much as any space I've ever played was that. And they got, a, unfortunately, a COVID casualty. And I hope that they, I hope they come back to life in some form because that was a beautiful place run by beautiful people. Absolutely. Have you, um, if, did you have any food when you were in Buffalo? Like, did anything stand out to you? Not only did I have food, but (laughs) for years I had heard about the beef on weck sandwich, a Buffalo, a Buffalo institution. And I wanted, but you don't eat meat. I found, I found a veggie beef on weck. Amy's place. I think that was it. That's like the that's like the Probably. famous vegetarian place, right? 
Yes, and they yeah. actually um, closed because of COVID, but just announced oh. that they changed their mind and Ooh. they are not going to close. Yay! But you know what I didn't get in Buffalo? Another Buffalo classic that I've always wanted to add because I've had the buffalo wings. But listen, I'm always someone who's loved traveling and obsessing over food. And I've had a lot of, like my old job at Weird New Jersey, a lot of it got to eat the food of local places. And being a comedian, I'm like, I don't want to just eat at a Panera Bread in every city. What's this city have to offer? I still haven't had the sponge candy. Oh, yeah. that's You have to. It's as good as I hear? It is. I um, had... My mom had some for Christmas and it's still sitting there. And every time I go there, I eat a piece mm. and I just, I don't care how old it is, but every time just treat myself too. Mm. It's good. But when you try it, you have to promise me you have to eat all of the chocolate around the sponge first and then let the sponge like dissolve in your mouth. What is the sponge? Sounds gross. What is this? I know there's a thing called sponge candy, but it's chocolate wrapped around a sponge. Yeah. It's like, um, like almost like, caramel and all of your listeners be like does she mean caramel um it's my buffalo accent uh it's just like sugar that they then it like melts into a brick almost and then they break oh. it and dip oh. it in chocolate oh speaking my language i gotta get some of this yeah now but i think they ship it but it's expensive i do have to say i'm thinking back to the beginning of our call and there's a little bit of joy with me knowing that you were reading a joke book of dad jokes before I even knew that you were dating someone who's uh, 53 when you're 27. <laughs> and he's a father of three and you are much closer in age to his children than to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he, I read these dad jokes to him and he is unimpressed with them. So that throws even a little more in it. Give me one more of these dad jokes. Come on. We got um, five and a half minutes left. Give me a dad joke and then we'll finish off. All strong. right. Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, all right. Well, this will go with Buffalo. Um, what is the most musical part of the chicken? Let's see. Um, the most musical part of the chicken. I'm a comedian. I should be able to figure this out. Is that, that, yeah. I don't know. What the is drumstick. Oh, Sorry, you were taking too that. long. Yeah. The drumstick. Yes. All right, this one I like. Um, okay. okay. Did you hear about the man who invented the knock-knock joke? Let's see. No? Well, he won the Nobel Prize. God damn. I think that's okay. my favorite one. It's pretty good. I tell you, my brother-in-law has a French bulldog, and uh, my wife, for, we have uh, our nephew. We bought him a French bulldog joke book. Because my wife was like, oh, that's funny, cheesy kids jokes about a French bulldog. And he has a French bulldog in his house that he loves. This joke book was a scam. The, all the French bulldog references were in the setups, not in the punchlines. So it would be like, if it was that joke, it would be like, did you hear about the French bulldog who invented knock-knock jokes? He won a Nobel <laughs> Prize. All the French bulldog references were in the setups. That's not how a joke book works. Supposed to that's be wrong. Joke. It should be jokes about the French bulldog, like the drumstick. I one. Have a, that's chicken specific. Yeah, you you need to rewrite that book, but do it the right way. I tell one you, day. we got this book, and Hallie was reading through it, and is going, "Can I even give this to them?" And I said, "I am so genuinely tempted to just take that and read it on stage as part of my professional comedy act." 
She was like, do you really want to? I said, ah, I don't think I can. So we, we gave it, but I still go back and forth on if I should get another copy because it was insane. It was actually insane. I need to find this now. It would be That's like, what's incredible. black and white? It, it would be like, this is not an actual one, but this was the level of joke. They'd be like, what's black and white and red all over? A newspaper read by a French bulldog. <laughs> like that, they would just tack it oh. on. They'd just tack it on to the beginning or the end. And it was never in the punchline. They just threw French bulldog in there. Oh my goodness. Somebody out there just bought another joke book and just randomly placed the word French bulldog in all the other jokes they were reading. And hey, so- people are buying it. Yeah, we bought it. We bought it. Your proof. Your proof. Look at that. Look at that. Now we got I think I have a good way left. to end. Okay, I'm listening. All right. So this this goes along talking about dogs because I realized that um Everyone's going to stop listening now because I'm with you with dogs. It's not that I don't like them. I just, I personally don't know that I could ever have one. Um, And I had one of my best friends lives literally 14 houses down from me, asked me if I wanted to watch her dog on New Year's Eve. Um, To my response was, I only, something like, I love you. I love your boyfriend. I love I even go as far as saying I love the dog, but do not trust me with this. And she has two kids that she trusts me with all the time. And I was like, I can handle them. They can tell me what they need. But like, what if the dog needs something? How am I supposed to just figure it out? So I'm just here to advocate for people that don't know how to. It makes me sound really irresponsible. I swear I'm a good mom, but he's a human. After all the things we've talked about today, I guarantee you that in the comments regarding this episode, there will now be a disproportionate, one mention of not being enthusiastic about dogs will outweigh. I would say that we've now established it will be a solid 20% of dog commentary amongst an 80% of the things you actually spoke about. Now, I do- Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, it happens. I'm with you. I wanted to check in real quick because you mentioned you're in a good co-parenting situation uh, excelling at your job, your company supports you, bought a house. I do just want to check in. You got, you got the little guy and I just want to see how he's doing, um, with everything the past year. Thank you. He's doing really well. Um, I lived such a busy life before this and still do, but I am so thankful to have had extra time with him this past year. His birthday's in March. So the first thing that was canceled was his birthday party. Um, but but we made it special. I mean, I got cupcakes. It was just me, him and his dad. And we got to sing and it's something I always remember. Um, and even now, like he's here one day a week when I'm working and he gets to see me doing what I love and gets to, you know, know that I'm working hard to, you know, provide us with the things we have. And he understands what a meeting is and he pretends to be on a meeting on his little tablet. And Cute. it's been, yeah, it's been a great year for us. Um, for our relationship. And I think I just, we appreciate each other so much. He's the best. So I'm so thankful for him. Beautiful. I have a similar thing where Hallie goes, look, this has been awful, but I think you and Cal have a friendship that wouldn't have developed this way if, uh, if this right. wasn't all happening. Yeah. I'm with you. Absolutely. Our yep. time, our time Sounds is good. up, my friend. Enjoy, enjoy all dating right. someone who's close, close to your grandma's age. <laughs> I will. Good. I will. Good, Thank good, you so good. much. Thank you so much. That was a great call. Thanks. 
callers, thank you so much. And uh, another thing I didn't get to thank you for is sometimes when I talk to people in their mid-20s on the show, I am at an age where I'm starting to feel old. But because we were talking about your boyfriend, I didn't even feel that old today. Thank you so much for that. That was good. Thank you. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Jordan Allen. Thank you to Shellshag. ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about me. And listen, wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Pandora, SiriusXM app, whatever it is, find that subscribe or favorite or follow button, whichever it is. It helps so much when you do. And if you want our entire back catalog without ads, stitcherpremium.com slash stories. Check it out. Get those details. Thanks so much for listening.